0: Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And I've been wondering exactly where is it that you listen to the show? I've put a post on the Education on Fire Facebook page um, just asking exactly that. Do you listen on your commute? Do you listen in the gym? Is it when you're walking your dog? Whatever it happens to be. So if you find yourself on Facebook, go and check out Education on Fire and just leave me a comment. Let me know exactly where it is and how you listen to the show. today our guest is from the USA, Dr. Roger Parrott, who is the president of Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi. It's one of the fastest growing colleges serving 5,000 students, including an online campus in China. The Bellhaven was named one of America's best colleges to work for by the Chronicle of Higher Education. And Dr. Parrott was named one of the 10 most visionary education leaders in 2021 by Education Magazine. Now this conversation isn't just about university life, it's about education in general. It's talking about how leadership has a big idea, about big education principles and how the community of everyone involved in the child's life has, a, has an impact on, on how they learn and what their opportunities are. So this is a fascinating conversation which I really hope you enjoy. This is Dr Roger Parrott, the President of Belhaven University. Hello, Roger. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's always great to be able to chat to different people, different countries and different scenarios. So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about where you're based, where you live and what your position is.
1: Well, thank you. It's a treat to be with you and I'm thankful for what you're doing to encourage education. I've always believed more education is better than less and uh, at all levels. We need to be promoting education. Um, I am uh, a president of Bellhaven University in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, which is a school of about 5000 students uh, Presbyterian uh, heritage um, and and a Christian college in the United States. Uh, but uh, we include students from all backgrounds uh, in our in our campus uh, about 1000 of those students are traditional age students on campus and probably three thousand of them are adult uh, or graduate students in um, probably 20 different master's degrees and doctoral programs including a doctorate of education uh masters of um, of teaching a uh, masters of education masters of reading so we're really committed to to educators and um, we're in the deep south of mississippi where there are not enough teachers and so we're very committed to trying to Help teachers uh, uh, equip for the classrooms, but we in our because we have a, such a big online program, we really have students from all over the world, which is always makes it interesting. There's so much to learn from those who, who are in other cultures. One of our, uh, one of our unique programs educationally is that we provide a um, master's of education in China, and we teach it in Mandarin. Um, and when we divide, design this program. Uh, when our Chinese uh, friends asked us to do this, we said, but we teach an American approach to education. They said, no, that's what we want. We want to learn an American style education, not just a Chinese style of education. So I think the world's becoming uh, more interconnected in how we look at education, how we think about uh, what we do. But... uh, I love, uh, I love this. I've been uh, university president for 33 years and, and it's, a, it's a very special position and a, and a treat to serve students and families this way.
0: So one of the things I'm, I'm interested in, especially based on your experience, is the, the kind of things that in education that have changed, which I would imagine over 30 years is, is, is quite a lot. But also the things which are universal and, and kind of sort of connect us all that have kind of stayed the same throughout that time.
1: Yeah, it has changed dramatically through these years. It's it's kind of hard to believe. Uh, it used to be a lot simpler, a lot more straightforward. I think uh, students um, 20, 30 years ago uh, went on to the next level of education because that was the thing to do, and it was kind of a straight line. You went directly into a college degree. You went directly into a master's. I, I think now people are... are um, taking more breaks out of that and coming when it's ready rather than when and when they're ready rather than just as the next thing and that's probably a good thing if a student's motivated whatever level they're at if they're motivated that's a good student when they're not motivated they're very hard to teach um, and to learn so i think i think there's that i think the the complexity of choices has gotten making it harder At the collegiate level for a lot of families, because there are so many choices and they've kind of been driven by price too much um, and don't really understand the key questions to understand on quality. Um, So um, and and then I think the just the expanse of degrees There's so many different choices, so many specialties. I'm always in favor of students having a more well rounded degree, having a broader background um one of the things I'm doing on my campus is that for we encourage because we're really big in the arts that's one area where we focus and we're interested in those students making sure they have a broad based education so they can do a lot of different things and so we encourage them to get a double major and we do that by telling them if they go into their fifth year of education because of that double major that they don't have to pay tuition for the fifth year and that really allows uh, a musician to also take a business degree or um, or a communications degree with a dance degree. And so it, it really is a nice option. So I think that's what's different is is probably the specialty. And I see that circling back around to a, 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 a just more specialties rather than a single all encompassing kind of liberal arts focus of the past. Probably what's, what has stayed the same is is my biggest concern about education, and that is that education is the only thing we buy in our society where we're happy to get the least value for it. And um, it if we could solve that single problem, we would solve the education problem. Because, you know, if I go to the Apple store and I buy an Apple iPhone and part of it doesn't work or it goes off early at night and stops working and some of the features don't work and I don't get everything that they promised in the literature, I'd go back and I'd be complaining, I'd be stomping my feet, I need my money back, I need my value for what I paid. In education, it's the other way around. Students get out of class early and they celebrate. If the exam's easier than they thought, they're thankful. If uh, if um, the requirements get lowered, th- they think that's a good thing. If I always tell families demand to get your money's worth, you're paying a lot for this demand to get your money's worth. And if you do, it's amazing what education could do for you, because there are so many untapped resources that students just don't take advantage of because they're satisfied with an easier route. But the goal of this is not a degree. The goal of this is education. And and somehow we've got to make that switch, and I'm not sure how to get there, but uh, I stay on my soapbox and continue to preach that message.
0: <laughs> well, I guess that's the key, isn't it? Because if, if there are teachers and people being trained with this understanding as well, then hopefully that seeps through to whatever level they then teach at it, whichever age they're then able to do that, which hopefully then, like I say, translates into a pupil understanding that, you know, education is a gift it's also a tool that you can use to take you into whatever it is that you're passionate about that you want to study that you want to sort of develop your your skills in and um, it really when you start from that point then like I say that the view of what education is as something for you rather than something you just have to go through is going to be different
1: right right very much so very much so and and you know you see this some in the in the countries that use a heavy testing system for university, um, Korea, China, uh, some countries like that, you see students at the high school level demanding to get as much out of it as possible and putting in that ultra effort. Um, but it's only to get over that grade of testing. So I think you're, I think you are right on target mark. It comes from the teachers being trained to help. Students understand the bigger goals of education and them wanting the students to get the most out of it. We've got to, it's not, the students aren't going to flip a switch and do this. We've got to help the teachers be equipped to have that kind of outlook
0: and for me often the the situation is is that many teachers go in into the profession because it's altruistic it's um it's authentic they they want to go and make a difference they want to support the next generation to become the best that they possibly can and then of course they then hit the traditional education system or that a large proportion of them will and then there's very much you have to do this you have to do that and i think some of that personalized learning then is is very different and very difficult to do so you know in your experience as time's gone on do you think that's just in terms of curriculum is being narrowed is it a chance of just not enough time in the in the timetabling of each day to be able to do that what what's your thoughts
1: well I, at least in the united states i can't really speak to the rest of the world but in the united states i think as as communities become frustrated with this with academic um uh, achievement and um and they feel like you know students aren't coming out at the same level they used to, et cetera, et cetera. So how do we do that? We become more prescriptive. What it is you have to teach, when we have to test, et cetera, et cetera. And you take that freedom away from the from the teacher to really do what's best for each student. Every student's not the same, you know. If you've got a class of thirty students, they're all very different. And a good teacher will see those differences and not try to homogenize them all. Uh, but but the often in the United States, our our local school boards are taking that freedom away from teachers because they're telling them you must teach this, you may not teach this, you have to do it this way, you have to test this way, and putting all that structure in. I think you're right. I think people who go into teaching have a great passion to change the world, to invest in the next generation, to help young people, to uh, to make a difference, and, and then we kind of take the bad out of their hands um, or put these restrictions on them that really take the joy out of it, and uh, that's part of where we're falling apart, uh, and, and it's hard because, uh, especially t- in today's world with social media the way it is, you have one rogue teacher who does something stupid and yeah there's always somebody who will and that gets blown up and then they want to create a policy for everybody because they're fearful of trying to control the the, the the outlying fringe and um uh you know that that's just not good educational doesn't make good educational sense it's not the way to help students really grow and thrive and when you put all the structure in Students just turn off and and that's what we're seeing. And that's a shame.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's personalized learning and however we can do that is um, I've, I think the key to everything, both in terms of maybe the academic subject side to as much as we can, but in terms of the way that we learn and the amount of contact and, and the conversations even that you have that needs to be different. And, and like you say, The less structure there is to enable that to be the case, the harder it is. And I guess um, I know leadership's an incredibly important part of your life as as well. Do you think it's a question of of educating? leaders within schools that can actually try to adapt it as best they can within the constraints is it a question of going above that in terms of like say school boards is it does it need to come from a national level how do you think that change might happen even if it's in principle rather than the difficulties we know about the reality of it
1: well in the in the public school arena in the u.s it's tough um i i always tell the the superintendent of schools in the city where i live that he has a single toughest job in in, in of any educator in our state, uh, much tougher than the university presidents or anybody else, because everybody has demands on what they expect to have happen. They want it done now. And then they have such enormous levels of bureaucracy um, that I just don't know how to get anything done. Whereas a private institution, I operate completely differently. I'm built around capturing good opportunities. I'm at, uh, capturing you know, uh, styles of learning that fit for students that that don't fit for other students and allow that flexibility of hiring great faculty, giving them a platform to do what they're called to do and to teach, get out of their way and do it. It's just very, very different. And so I think we're seeing, especially in the US, a rise among private schools who don't have that bureaucracy uh i think we're seeing a, a big rise among homeschooling uh and of course uh, um you know with uh, covid uh that accelerated uh, dramatically as a lot of people just took their kids out of school in Bellhaven, my my university um uh, has worked with a lot of homeschooling students we were probably one of the largest uh, uh educators in the south of in america for homeschoolers we we like homeschoolers we find that they learn the creativity they have the uh they have the uh, ability to to dialogue at a deep level uh, they're looking at bigger issues they're not just learning facts and figures and structure and um and maybe a little bias uh, both of my kids were homeschooled and so uh, we um, now my wife has a phd in english so that did help <laughs> And uh, but uh, they kind of after first grade said, you know, we're not doing this. We're just spending a long time standing in line and and we're not getting anything out of it. So they kind of quit. And uh, I think their their uh, their education uh, exploded because of that. And um, I would often come home at dinner time and they'd all still be in their pajamas talking around the table and um, my wife was always nervous she said we didn't follow the curriculum we didn't study the curriculum whatever i said don't worry about it make sure they can articulate ideas and that they can develop vocabulary and they read what they're interested in and if we do that they're going to have a great education so yeah my kids can't name you the capitals of the 50 states of the united states but but they can write a paper that's at a uh, doctoral level um on a first draft and um, you know to me that's what if homeschooling is done right can be there's no reason that same thing cannot happen in a regular school it doesn't have to be at home if we take the restrictions off these teachers and allow them to have that kind of flexibility
0: so i'm wondering if if we if we were given the situation like you say there are so many resources out there now there are so many organizations there's so many courses there's so many teachers who are are going it alone putting their experience online in such a way that you know it's one of the things we can do here on the podcast is sort of share some of this great practice and, and, and some of the things which are available do you think it's therefore possible that education will change organically to the point where almost any student It may well be the parents at home, like say through homeschooling, but through having some kind of mentor or some sort of safe person that's able to guide them through all of these organisations and situations that are out there. That it becomes much more personalised. I guess you just need that place to be able to be based to then expand, which is obviously traditionally what the school, <laughs> the school was itself. But do you think there are sort of other organisations or other sort of centres that can start to be that kind of place that education can expand from, based on, like, you say, all the online experiences and the things that are available? Now?
1: I'm seeing a lot of of groups try to do that. I don't think anybody's doing it yet successfully. But because people are trying, and it's usually for-profit companies that are after uh, trying to develop this kind of technology where it's more uh, uh, artificial intelligence-based, it's self-paced learning, it's competency-based. I'm a great believer in competency-based education. I think it makes a lot of sense. You keep working on something until you get it. Once you get it, you move on. Um, uh, I think those kinds of structures are going to to take hold, uh, to me, it still comes down to the problem of a motivated student. And if you have a motivated student, education uh, will flourish. And if you don't have a motivated student, it won't. So so I'm not, I, I, I think we've got to work, um, we've got to work for ways that latch on to the motivation of students. And, and one of my biases, you know, let them study, let them read what they're interested in. And um, we so want to force a curriculum on them rather than let them explore. If we could let them explore what they're interested in and they get success in that, then we can build off other subject matter from that. But, um, you know, so often we don't. I mean, one of the things we do here at Bellhaven, which is different from most American higher education, in most of higher education, we, we test students when they come as freshmen, we find out what they're really bad at, and then we give them a lot of what they're really bad at. Well, it's no wonder the dropout rate in America is bad. At Bellhaven, we do it differently. We test students to understand what their gifts are and what their calling is and what their passions and motivations are. If we can understand that and then build curriculum around those things that are their strengths, that's when we find students most successful. Now I think a, a elementary school, a high school can do the exact same thing. It's it's not rocket science. Um, we can build on those, but again, it comes back to some problems you raised about the structure, the demands, and all that kind of thing. We've got to think differently about education. What we know is that a lot of what we're doing is not working, and um, and we need to not be afraid of alternatives.
0: And I think for me, there's something about exposure which is incredibly important here I'm a you know I'm a professional musician but that wasn't an inherent part of my family my parents weren't musicians it wasn't something that I was exposed to through my family life so it was only through the fact that luckily the school that I went to had a program that was everyone had to learn an instrument at a certain time and that gave me a way into something that i would have never have done on my own so actually having that sort of broad base of trying lots of things like you say because you could have tested me as i entered your university but had i not had that exposure to do it i may not have even known that music was something that i, I was able to do so i think there is that kind of broad base that you need especially early on which you can then start to sort of grow as uh, as time goes by
1: i think so true uh mark you're right on target with that it's that exposure, and again, everybody who got exposed in your in your class when they had to learn an instrument didn't stay with it, but it, it changed your life. And for others, it was other things. And I think if we can do that, especially at those early ages, you know, third, fourth grade, fifth grade, where you can expose students to music, to, to literature, to science, uh to uh, museums to a lot of different things and right now we can do that in ways we couldn't do before i mean i could i could take a uh, uh a tour of the greatest museums of london right right now if i wanted to from my computer i couldn't do that a few years ago so there are ways to expose and exposure is a huge part of education again let that exposure happen and then trigger in that student what they're really passionate about and what they really want to do. And uh, when people find their calling, find their motivation, find their passion, uh again, learning becomes pretty easy at that point because they want to learn. And they they have a they have a desire that is way beyond grades and way beyond degrees. They really are are fulfilling who God made them to be.
0: Yeah, and I think there is something about the I use the word community quite a lot here on the show, but it's that sort of it's the people around you. It's the it's the people within the school. It's the people in your literally your local community and the local shops and the, the clubs and, and various activities that you do. And I think making everything relevant, especially when kids are young, is really important. And then seeing that from what they know and understand from their current experience, that's when you can start to broaden that out. And like you say, you can take it in a different way. So if you like the local museum that you've only been to once or twice through a school visit, like you say, you can then explore museums from around the world, you know, and and understanding that there's steps that you can take in order to expand those interests, whatever your age happens to be. I think that becomes a, a very exciting prospect, isn't it? And I think and when you can foster that at such a young age, and then I think it's just a, a finding a way for the system to be able to then let that happen as children get older. Of course, they emotionally change and 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 as they sort of develop as, as young people. But I think there is a little bit of a kind of a cutoff from that kind of sort of elementary school, as you were sort of saying there over in the US or primary here. As you then start to get into high school or certainly here into secondary, there's suddenly that shift of focus to it needs to be tested and graded as opposed to allowing some of those early great works i think that often happens in the younger age to then carry through
1: absolutely and and you know one of the great rebound effects of that is what it does for the parents and uh you know i encourage teachers to challenge the parents to model some of this yeah you know parents may not ha- care for the symphony but if they will go and take their kids and and experience that together their kids are gonna grow, they're gonna grow as parents. Um, you know, all kinds of different experiences. And, and we can almost recapture some of the generation who's gone before, but because they'll do it for their kids. I, I think some of the students I admire most, in, especially in some of my uh, graduate programs are uh, online programs is, is moms and dads. When I asked them, why did you get this degree? They said, I did it for my kids. I wanted to show my kids that education was important. And so I think there are a whole bunch of parents out there, and we work with a lot, who had some college they never finished. We get them back online. We help them finish a degree. They are so proud of that degree because they want to hold it up to their kids. And parents have got to model this. And teachers need to help parents know how to do that because I think we have a generation of parents who somehow – didn't always get those experiences, and, and need uh, training in how to really bring education into the household in a in a holistic kind of natural way, not not a forced curriculum, not sit down at the table and do your homework, but how does education happen just in the in the natural flow of life, and and it can really enrich a family when we make that a priority.
0: Yeah, there, there was something I had a conversation with. Um... John Coe, who was the person who who was part of the the setup of the National Association for Primary Education here in the UK, and and one of the things that he said was was like say this community feel of everyone who's involved in a child's upbringing, you know, and it's very easy to sort of say, right, well, I've I've dropped my child at the school gate, so that's being taken care of, and I'm at home doing this part, and this club's doing that part, but actually, you're all stakeholders, and when the child's at the centre of it and you're having conversations and you're working together and you're taking in an interest and then you're an integral part, no matter where you fit in that jigsaw puzzle, then the, I think that comes across to every child as well. And they start to realize that there are many facets to learning and it's not just once you sort of say, right, well, I'm now in school and away I go.
1: I, I totally agree with you. And I think that's right on target. And part of the interesting challenge is that is somehow, I think some teachers are threatened by the parent involvement. And we really encourage them to to learn to co-opt with parents as a team effort in this and uh, um, you know parents can have such an important role but if the teacher feels like this is my domain you stay out of this and whatever we're not getting the best out of it at all but uh, you know uh, parents need to be there they need to be part of it Uh, they need to be the teacher's friend I mean, I would encourage every parent when they are assigned to a new teacher for their child for the school year, the first thing, go in, say to that teacher, how can I help you? Not demand this, not demand this, not demand this for my kid. How can I help you as a teacher to be more successful in teaching my child and everybody else in this class? And if parents would take that approach, education for teachers would be a whole lot more enjoyable
0: absolutely and it's amazing how the the more i have these conversations the more you you realize it's not about any given subject it's it's not even about a system in lots of ways because you know what we're talking about here is just you know human connection and 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 understanding how we're trying to live together and how we're trying to work together you know we're not even talking about we're going to study this or, or do this in a certain way it's like you know what what experiences do we have amongst us that we can actually help and I think getting back to some of those basic that some of those basic principles I think will will make a will make the biggest difference as things move forward
1: yeah very much so you know the the curriculum is just the vehicle for learning how to think learning how to expand our mind learning how to question learning how to critique um you could do that through any any uh, discipline topic um uh, so you know that that's not the important part. The important part is is this whole dialogue of really becoming a a full person uh, who's capable of engaging the world and 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 having a bringing not just knowledge but bringing kindness and empathy to the world.
0: And and you mentioned you have you know a, a broad section of of, of students um around the university. Is what you just sort of um, touched on there, is it about that sort of general humanness, which is, is the key thing as opposed to um, a particular way of, um, of faith or religion or, or that kind of thing? How, how does that kind of work in, in, a, in an ethos point of view from where you are?
1: Well, I think it's important for, for all of us to develop our worldview, uh, this, those set of, of understandings that frame how we see the world From our institution's perspective, that that is uh, found in a scriptural base in the Bible. And from that scriptural understanding of how we believe God designed the world and taught us to live together is an important part of our developing a worldview that can be a worldview of service. Our campus motto is to serve, not to be served. But in that, we don't require students to, to necessarily share our worldview. That's okay. They can come with their own worldview. Let's question it. Let's talk about it. Let's examine it. And it's in that dialogue with respect, not saying you have to agree to what I say or I have to agree to what you say, but let's have that dialogue and respect the, the truth and, and good ideas do last out over time. And unfortunately, that's what's happened in a lot of America is that we we're getting so segmented off um, either because of social media or politics that we, we're not talking with people who don't all agree with us. And so we're talking into an echo chamber. And we don't want that as a university. We we yes, we believe very strongly in a biblical foundation of truth uh, and of grace, but we also under, don't want that just to be an echo chamber where we all are in such agreement, we never dialogue with, with other questions. And so and that really creates a wonderful dynamic of our campus where where there is a, a comfort to examine the broad range of ideas, but also know there's a foundation that guides us.
0: I really love that f- term of phrase, you know, of, of truth, because I think one of the things that we really struggle with here, certainly in the UK, is the fact that everything is very much on, a, on an election to election basis, you know it's um, this policy based on the next four or five years. It's we need to be different than the the other side, as it were, in inverted commas. And I think the the idea of truth is is incredible because all these things we've talked about in terms of dialogue, in terms of broad exposure, in terms of working together. If you have that as a truth, which is actually just projected through education from here. To many years in the future, then it doesn't actually matter too much how the system is set up because it will morph in 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 the right direction based on technology changing and the world changing and 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 the views and and how everything is set up. but I think because it isn't in that particular truth setup as it were, it all has to be very much about I want it to look like this now and then it may change again and change again and you can understand why people get frustrated and how it's so fragmented.
1: Mark, I couldn't have said it better. That is absolutely right on target. If you have a foundation of truth, and again, for us, it is, it's it's scriptural, so we have a, uh, it's within a spiritual realm. When you have a that foundation, then as the world changes around you, you have things that are unchanging, you can hang on to, you know, that are solid and complete. And, um, and again, that doesn't have to be Ever come across as harsh or judgmental or unkind. In fact, it should be completely the other way, because I am comfortable in my worldview as a Christian. That means I should be especially accepting and kind and generous to those who don't share that worldview. And so, yeah, as the world changes, the world's going to go up and down. These politics are just going to get worse. It's not going to get better uh, as we go with this with this ping pong back and forth from left to right and uh we've got to have a foundation for all of us that holds us solid or we're not going to make it we're going to go crazy uh by just being pulled <laughs> one direction then the other we've got to find some stability and uh and that's what we really teach at Aven
0: and as we start to wrap up this idea of um of of legacy and and a sense of um, longevity you know that's obviously something which you've managed to bring to the university in your role it's sort of the uh, sort of your writing books and 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 in sort of being on these podcasts and, and chatting to everybody is that sort of part of just sort of sharing this this legacy and this kind of ongoing message which can make the difference above and beyond just the campus walls
1: I sure hope so. Um, you know, Bellhaven has a significant reach and the world's changed so much. I mean, there were times in the past where we primarily had students come to us who lived in the south part of America. And now, you know, uh, again, I've got uh, academic programs in China. I've got uh, 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 students from all across Europe in our online programs. Uh, south America uh, its just so accessible now. It's so easy to do um, uh, we couldn't reach that kind of world before. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm sharing more about Bellhaven, And yes, I did write a couple of books that hopefully are, will be helpful about leadership and about capturing opportunities. Uh, the latest one's called opportunity leadership, stop planning and start leading in the context that we, we spend so much of our time trying to control a plan for the future. We miss the good opportunities that come into our lives and into our organizations and schools um so yeah i I think we want to share that message more broadly because we're becoming a global uh society of learners and uh, there are ways to uh to connect uh that are pretty remarkable um uh again you know my uh uh just for covid i was in beijing for graduation with uh, a group of MBA students, it's hard to believe, and, and they had never set foot on this campus. They took that MBA in Mandarin, and we were able to educate them and to be a significant part of their life. That would not have been possible just a few years ago. So I think what's happening in education is a very dynamic and wonderful time for education. Part of the challenge, though, is that it can be so much, so many opportunities, it just freezes us and we don't do anything because there's an overload of options. We've got to finally just get focused and and do what we can handle and not feel guilty that we don't ha- do everything else.
0: I think that's it. And one of the one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is I get to chat to so many people who just bring not just the the image, which of course is what you get when you hit a website for so many organizations, but you get the personality and you get the warmth and the and the and kind of the, the embracement, if that's enough, or whatever the word would be, to be able to just think, oh, I can feel that. And it's a little bit like when you um certainly here in the UK, when you have the option to go around lots of schools and you think they're all great and they all do lots of different things, but this one just feels a certain way that seems to fit me and, and it kind of feels like the right place. And I think the more I can share that and the more conversations we can have like this and the more people can listen, the better. So Roger, thank you so much for being here. Um, and please do share, where can people find out more about the university and everything that you're doing?
1: Yeah, uh, the website's very simple. It's uh, Belhaven with one dot E D U. And if you go there, you can find me, you can find All About the University, you can find the online programs. Um, and, uh, and we'd love to have uh, students from the UK come as well. That would be a treat. We've had some great ones come. Uh, some have been pretty significant on our soccer team. And, uh, and I know one who's a great dancer. So um, we're really big in the arts. We're one of only 35 schools in America nationally credited in all four of the arts. So the arts are a really important part of who we are. And I'm glad you're a musician and artist, and you value the arts and you're passing it on to the next generation. So thank you, Mark, for letting me be with you today.
0: The National Association for Primary Education is a non-political UK charity. As vice chair, I'm delighted to be hosting six online CPD events to enable you to be supported as educators, no matter where you are in the world. To find out more information, go to nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. That's nape.org.uk forward slash online hyphen events. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.